Ananian. Because the ABS didn't function, the speedometer didn't work, the PCM, the powertrain control module, and the TCM, the trans control module, didn't have any input on vehicle speed. It did not know how to shift the transmission. Doctor. I understand there was a tail light recall. Tail light recall, and we've also seen a few of the GMs of that generation with a seam leak. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Did you ever feel like the world had gone nuts and you were just a spectator? Start your engines. I'm Ron Anney in the Car Doctor. Join me for the next two hours, an hour at a time, as we sit and talk about the world of automotive repairs and what's going on and how you're going to drive and how you're going to get there and everything in between. Hello and welcome. I'm Ron Anney in the Car Doctor. Uh, article this this month in uh, New Jersey Automotive Magazine, a regional magazine out of New Jersey, obviously, Day of Reckoning, or Autonomous Cars are a Real Threat to the Industry. That's on the front page. Autonomous Cars Face New York City. Uh, let's see. This is out of the Bergen Record. This is Wednesday, October 18th, 2017, talking about General Motors bringing autonomous vehicles to the streets of Manhattan. Uh, Lower Manhattan in 2018. Listen, I've been down Lower Manhattan, okay? You can hardly walk in broad daylight, okay, and see where you're going on a sunny day. Now you're going to put a blind robot down there and hope that it can get the signals around the buildings? No, not for me. That isn't even what I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to make the point with those two articles to get you thinking. Had a car this week, had two cars this week. One was a 2006 Hummer H2. Came in three weeks ago with a problem that it wouldn't shift out of park. And, you know, you put your foot on the brake, key on, start it up, foot on the brake, go to shift, won't shift out of park. Intermittent problem. And this is my complaint. I want to know how the manufacturers are going to deal with this. All right, because I've gotten your emails and I've seen your statements to me that I'm blowing this out of proportion. And I'm telling you, I'm not. Electric cars and autonomous cars are going to be a problem. Get used to it. This 2006 Hummer came in and it wouldn't shift out of park. It was stuck in gear. But it didn't do it whenever I saw the vehicle. It was intermittent. And you've got to be an idiot to think that autonomous and electric cars aren't going to have intermittent issues. It's got to be It's got to be next thing to impossible. So this 06 Hummer came in, couldn't duplicate the problem, sat and talked to the customer because a customer interview is always part of every diagnosis that I do, that a lot of shops do. And I came to the conclusion that it's worth it to throw a brake light switch at this car. It's the number one failure. If we we start reading pattern relational databases on what fails, brake light switch is the number one fault. It's the biggest concern they've got. Let's throw a brake light switch at it. When I mentioned that to the customer, she said, you know, every once in a while, the brake lights would be stuck on or off or they wouldn't work. And my daughter would tell me I have no brake lights. And Good. There's a clue. Let's put a brake light switch in it. Put a brake light switch in it. General Motors, right out of GM's parts bin and down the road. Monday this week, I walk in, and there's the H2 sitting on the parking lot of the shop with a note. Hey, Ron, the, the, the shifter's acting up again. Maybe it's maybe it's a different problem, you know, in terms of, 
since it was intermittent before, maybe now you can diagnose it because now it's a hard failure. It does it all the time. Yeah, no problem. I can fix any car that's broken. Intermittents just take a little while longer. So went through my usual diagnostic drill. And, you know, it just it it never really occurred to me. Maybe denial is more than a river in Egypt in my mind, but I just didn't want to admit that it possibly could be. But, yeah, guess what? Bad new brake light switch. New. Never, ever worked, right? This is going to be the mantra for our show. When I die, they're going to say two things on the tombstone. One, I told you I was sick, and the other is new. Never, ever worked. So, you know, put a new brake light switch in it. Or I tried to put a new brake light switch in it. Got another switch out of GM, AC Delco. Put it in. Didn't work. Maybe I diagnosed this wrong. Let's see. I've got three wires coming into the shift actuator that I'm concerned with. There's a black, which goes over to ground 203 in the right kick panel. There's a green black, which comes right from the fuse. And there's a green white that comes from the fuse and then is interrupted in between by the brake light switch. That's the signal. Take take my digital voltmeter out. I've got ground. I've got 14 volts engine running on the on the green with the black. And I've got 14 volts on the green with the white. And when I step on the brake light switch, it's got to drop to zero. It doesn't. It stays at 14. I go, I got a bad brake light switch. It's not interrupting the signal. <laughs> All right. Nah, okay. So you know what? I've got two bad parts. Must be a bad batch. Try a different vendor. Get another brake lights. Get another Delco GM brake light switch. Plug it in. Doesn't work. <sighs> at this point, I almost need therapy. I've got three bad switches. So I call up a friend of mine at a dealership. I said, listen, let me run this past you one time. And I explained everything I'm doing. He goes, you're right. It's a bad brake light switch. I go, well, I'm on my third one, and I can't seem to get one that works. He says, keep going. Remember the expression. I go, yeah, I know. No part is considered good until it's proven that it works. So I try a different vendor. Put it in. Airtex. Airtex is a decent brand. Just Let me just try a different vendor. Let's just see where this goes. Plug it in. Doesn't work. Four brake light switches now as a failure in three weeks. Now I'm really starting to think like I'm losing it, okay? I don't know how to fix cars anymore. It's over. Let's just go home. Let's close up the shop, make it a hot dog stand. One more time. I go through it one more time. I look at, I, I, I sit and I, I spend another half hour reading everything. I go, and this is a bad brake light switch. You know what the definition of insanity is? I used to think it was repeating and doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. The definition of insanity is doubting yourself when you know you're right because you are. You're not wrong. Voltage is voltage. Ground is ground. And and, and the two have to really display exactly what's going on. Ordered my fifth brake light switch, fourth from AC Delco. Plugged it in. It worked. It absolutely worked. I was right. Hit the brake pedal, drops the zero volts, the shift actuator works. Like, hooray, all right? It was, not that I've ever had the experience, but I think I kind of understand what it's like to give birth because you're just like, God, it's over, you know? It's like, hooray, okay, I'm not insane, I'm not stupid, I know how to do this, I can I can work on this car for a living. The next car that came in, and there's a reason I'm telling you this, all right? 88 Lincoln Town Car. The brake lights didn't work. Guess what was bad? Yep, needed a brake light switch. Now, the difference between an 88 and a, and a 2006 anything is about six wires, all right? The 88 had two wires, had a hot in and a, and a signal out, where the 06 had hot in, signal out, BCM control, brake pedal control, shift actuator control. There's five wires going into the 06 brake light switch. 
put a brake light switch, got a motorcraft. I said, I'll fix this. I'll stay with the manufacturer. I'll put a motorcraft brake light switch in this 88 Lincoln Town Car. Order it up. Put it in. Doesn't work. You know, it's got to be, I was thinking of, I was going to like shave my head and start selling candles at the airport and just, you know, just, just trying to put a better air of energy around the shop, just thinking, you know, I was going to get out there and chant and do the ohm, you know, just looking for a way to clear the negativity because I'm thinking like, can't be. I said, now I can do this one of two ways. Having learned from the Hummer, I can sit and I can continue to buy manufacturer's parts, which we all believe to be the best, which I still do in some cases, or I can go buy the cheapest piece of junk I can and put it on the car and let's see what happens. Sure enough, I go out and I find one of the cheesiest parts, I mean, made in China, I would never use it in a gazillion years, put it in, plugged it in, car worked, it's gone. That was three days ago. The moral to the story is... You want to put an electric car together? You want to do autonomous cars? You want cars that drive themselves? You want it to depend on these things? You can't even get internal combustion, people-driven vehicles to operate properly or be repaired properly because we can't get parts. And now you're going to tell me we're going to let cars loose on the population? You don't have to worry about terrorism. We're going to wipe ourselves out with the quality of vehicles that we're going to attempt to put on the road. Yes, Mr. Ray. Did you see the article I sent you last week about the autonomous cars causing accidents? Yes. Oh, yeah. And that's, and I get it. I get it that we've got to go to autonomous cars. I get it that it's the next evolution. But we're not ready. It's not a perfect world. We, I just don't believe we can control manufacturing that well to get it to the point where it's going to work all the time. You know... Technology and change are just part of life. I understand that. But when I look at some of the simpler things, when I look at something as as simple as a two-wire brake light switch or a five-wire circuit shift actuator control, and we can't get that right, and you're going to put a self-driving car in lower Manhattan and expect it to operate safely. I used to walk down Wall Street in lower Manhattan in another lifetime in another portion of this career waiting to do the show, and I would walk around trying to talk on my cell phone. I couldn't get a cell phone signal in lower Manhattan. All right? So if I can't get a cell phone signal, how in the hell am I going to get a, a signal to the car that the car is going to know where to go? And never mind that, but the the roads down there are so narrow because that those are the first roads built down there. And it's like, how are they, and the way people park, oh my goodness. Well, I've got it figured out. The only way autonomous cars are going to work in lower Manhattan is they're going to have to let a New Yorker program them. All right. They're going to have to let a New Yorker program the software. And, and somewhere within that software, the car's going to have to figure out to give the other driver the single digit salute. I hate to say oh, it. Yeah, like exactly. That, well, Tony and, but, I are, Tony and I are sitting here figuring out the words they're going to have to use. Right. You know, it's because it's New Yorkers just drive a certain particular way. So when the cars interface with each other, they're going to have to talk to each other in a New York language to get that New York flavor and theme of mind. Anyway, that's my story opening up today, folks. Honest to God, two cars, two bad, well, more than a few bad brake light switches. But um, just, I don't know. It's, 
get it while you can because cars are just going to change a whole lot in the next five years, ten years, fifteen years. I just hope uh, I just hope we're going in the right direction. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the Car Doctor's twenty four seven toll free number. Give us a call and uh, keep in mind if you're podcasting via our website cardoctorshow dot com, you can call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero anytime, day or night. Leave a message, and one of our producers, Dino Dan or the illustrious Tom Ray, will call you back and uh, hook you up and put you in queue for the next live broadcast we are live on the network saturday afternoons 2 to 4 p.m and when i come back i want to talk about the scan tool i want to give away next weekend that tom won't let me give away so it's all his fault folks um i just want to put blame where it squarely should be so anyway Ron scan and Andy, tool. there it is ron and Andy and the car doctor back right after this welcome back ron and Andy and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 i've got it figured out i was thinking about it during the break so I bet what they'll do with autonomous cars is, you know, they're going to speak in Morse code by headlights. All right. They're going to flash the headlights so many times about, you know, get lost. I'm here first. And uh, some of the other words that we can't really say on radio, we shouldn't say in public. So uh, it'll be a good time. You'll see a bunch of cars driving around New York with nobody in them flashing headlights all day long. It'll be interesting. Morse code is only an autonomous car can read it. Let's get over to Ed in Queens, New York. Some comments about oil drain valves. Before you do that, the scary thing is these cars driving around New York with nobody in it. No one's going to notice who's walking around. You know, there is that argument, too, because how can you tell the cars in New York? They drive like there's nobody in them now, so what difference is it going to make? Um, Ed, Queens, New York, how can I help you, sir? Sorry, we're insulting your home state, Ed. Yes, exactly, and there's no way that these autonomous cars are going to be able to avoid the potholes of New York City. Well, so, um, yeah, and you know what? And that's a thought, because you look at, you know, these autonomous cars are, for lack of a better term, I don't want to say they're, they're but they're kind of, you know, small-looking and fragile-looking, and they're not exactly what I would call robust. And you need something you need something made of steel and solid mass to deal with the potholes and streets of New York City. It just uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, But we'll see. We'll see. Hey, listen, exactly. progress. Time marches on, right? And uh, technology changes right. things. How can I help you today, sir? What's your professional opinion about replacing the simple oil, engine oil drain plug with a oil drain valve. Um, from everything online, it appears to, to make the oil change process cleaner, but you're obviously introducing a part that has a toggle switch and a moving part. Do you think it's a smart idea or stick to the simple and reliable oil drain plug? I'm still a drain plug fan, all right? And, and the reason is that some of the drain valves that I've seen they always extend a little bit further into the pan than the depth of the hole. So there's always a there's like a there's a lip for the oil to come over the top of. So you're always leaving a little bit of a residue. Now if you if you have a drain that actually meets the the max diameter of the oil pan, you know, maybe I'd consider it. The question I've got is you know, how picky are we going to get? Is it are we going to start to think about um uh, you know, speed of oil coming out of the engine, and are we leaving any residue in the engine? I, you know, Eddie, I just think it it it, it works. Leave it alone. Use a drain plug. Um, right. I don't, Makes I don't, sense. I don't know that we need to, you know, induce anything else in there to break. I've also seen, depending upon where the vehicle is being used, if it's an off-road vehicle or if it's a pickup truck being used off-road, 
or you know something along those lines. You get out on a rough country road, rocks fly up, debris flies up. I've seen those drain valves get hit by road debris, get damaged, and the engine starts leaking oil. And, and an engine drain, an engine drain plug, it's got to fall out for the engine to leak oil. And as long as you tighten it, you're okay. So Makes sense. I'd, I'd, Thank I'd, you. I'd probably leave it alone. All right, sir. Thank you. You're very welcome. You take good care. Um, yeah, you know, more technology. Um, I just, well, whatever. Enough with technology. Let's go over and talk to Sarah. Sarah in Pennsylvania. Sarah, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi. Um, Hi. I have a 2012 Dodge Avenger. I purchased it brand new. Okay. And it had a recall on it for the active head restraint. Right. And basically the recall, it says electrical overstress of a resistor in the occupant restraint control module may lead to the non-deployment of the active head restraint during a rear impact collision. Okay. So I took it to the dealer, and they did the recall, and afterwards the airbag light was still on. So was it on? Took the was it on? A, was it on I'm prior sorry? to you going in? I'm sorry. Was it on prior to you going in? Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, he was kind of looking around and took the headrest off, and when he was looking at it, he saw that the pins on the inside are broken. Um, like I said, I purchased it brand new, and I know I've never taken it off, <laughs> and right. I've never had a reason for it to be off. So. My question is, is they quoted me $450 for the new headrest. Is it absolutely necessary to replace it, or can I leave it as is? The airbag won't work without it. None of the, none of the airbag system okay. in the vehicle won't work without it, period. But, okay. But my question is, the recall that they did, was it related to the headrest, or the, the recall they did was a software update? Um, there were two recalls done on it that day um one was active head restraints and then the second one was the occupant restraint controller okay and it says updated the totally integrated power module so they did software updates so so these were so these were software updates from the sound of it but you know the argument becomes i'll tell you what sarah i don't want to rush this stay on the line let me let me pull over and take the pause and when i come back we'll finish up and uh, give it its due. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Dr. Banging away today. Let's get over and get back to Sarah in Pennsylvania. Sarah, you and your 12 Dodge Avenger, we were talking about the airbag recall that had just gone through. You're still there? Yes. Yeah. So it, it sounds to me like they did a software update, but the question I've got is, and I guess, okay, the, the headrest, that's what that's what they said was broken, right? The headrest, the headrest connector? Yeah. Okay. The, head, yeah. the headrest was probably broken prior to the recall. And, you know, they did the recall, and then they found this additional part or this, you know, additional damage. Um, I, I've got to tell you, that what I'm kind of confused about is prior to doing any recall, I'll say it like this. Mm -hmm. I, I've never done a recall because I'm not a dealership. I've done more than a fair share of computer reflashing or software add-ons. 
And part of the standard rule of software flashing is before you flash the vehicle, before you update the software, especially if the check engine or airbag or suspension light or some other lights on, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to scan the vehicle, right? You're going to you're going to plug right. in, you're going to plug in a scan tool and, you know, read the systems and say, "Okay, who's got a fault in it and for what reason?" Now, part of the logic of why you would do that is if the light's on, I kind of want to know why the light's on, because when I put the, when <laughs> yeah. I, you know when I put the software in it, I'm going to erase that fault, and if it's an intermittent fault, eh, I kind of want to know when the light pops back on in two weeks. It wasn't something as a result of what I did, or you know, it always gives the customer would give Sarah a warm fuzzy to sit there and say, "Hey, Sarah, the light's on because of this, not because of the software update that we did." It would make Sarah feel better, and she'd have more confidence in me as, as a mechanic. Correct. Right. So I think that was their first mistake. What I would tell you to do is they're saying that this is a connector at the airbag, at the headrest itself, rather. I'm sorry, the headrest restraint itself for the airbag. They're saying yeah. the connector broke. So, yeah. you know, $450, yes, it's got to be fixed. Otherwise, the airbag system, to my knowledge, won't work at all. It's going to disable the entire system. Oh. Uh, you know, it, it, okay. it, when an airbag lights on, the airbag system doesn't deploy because it can't operate properly. And part of the rationale with that is you've got to realize basically an airbag system is a controlled explosion in the car. And I hate to say it like that, but that's that's really what it is. It's it's got to, it's got to come out in that nanosecond of impact and cushion you and catch your body as it's flying in the wrong direction to keep you safe. It's it's sort of like when your mom stuffed you with pillows to keep you from falling out of the bed. Same thing. All right. So yeah. that being said, my question would be I'd go to the parts department and say, hey, I need this part number airbag. How many is Chrysler selling a week? And, you know, they can tell you that. And if they won't tell you that, you you send me the VIN of your vehicle with an estimate for repair, and that estimate will have the part number for the part that's needed on it. You email that to me, Mm -hmm. and I'll be be glad to talk to Chrysler and get you a, a, a history of that part failure. Because they can tell me just what's going bad and how often. Uh, This past week, I had a Chrysler that needed, let me think for a second, which car was it? But there were 347 of them getting replaced. And boy, you know what? It it, it escapes. Oh, it was a window regulator. Window regulator in a a 2010 Dodge Caravan, the driver's window. Chrysler's selling 340-something of them a week. All right? And it's this overpriced $100 pile of plastic that is just falling apart left, right, and sideways. And, you know, it, it gave me, it made my customer feel better to know that she wasn't alone. She's driving a 2010 caravan. And I said, you know, they're losing 350 of these a week. You know, it's not an uncommon thing. Yeah, you're right. Do it. I'll, you know, I'll just bite the bullet. But I can do the same thing with your airbag. It's just a matter of talking to the right people at Chrysler and saying, hey, how many of these are you selling? And here's my point. If Chrysler says they're selling 300 a week or 200 a week, that's not Sarah's fault. That's bad engineering. Now, what are you guys going to do about it? And they may do nothing, but at least you at least you know and you feel better. All right. My father. All right. And I, I cite my father. My father's been gone a long time. He passed when I was eleven. But I cite I cite some of his words a, a, a lot, especially up here on national stage. My father sold carpeting for a living, and I remember as a little kid coming home and him coming home, and I'd sit at the dinner table late at night. In my PJs, I had sleepers, and um, he'd, he'd sit there and he'd tell my mom about the day, and you know he'd talk about how he had a relay carpeting in this house or that house that he'd put in five years prior. My mom would say, "Why?" And she, my dad would say, "You only get one chance to annoy a customer." 
And, you know, you've always got to put that confidence in their mind that what you're doing was the right thing. And if it's your problem, deal with it and take it back to your vendor. If, if Chrysler's selling 300 of these a week, and I don't know that they are, but if they are, if they're selling 300 of these a week, then you know what? That's a vendor issue. That's not your fault that you bought a car that you had faith in. And at least you'll feel better explaining that to Chrysler. Um, you may not get anywhere, but you'll feel better inside, and that's how you'll live with it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, like my dad said, you only get one chance to really um, tick off a customer. There's no such thing as a new customer. There's just somebody that came from somewhere else that didn't get the service and attention they needed. And that's that's part of life today. That's the way we all are. We're all built that way, I think. Um, so I would talk to Chrysler. I would say, listen, I had enough faith in your product to buy it. How many miles are on this car, Sarah? Uh, 60,000. Yeah, 60,000 miles. You're telling me at 60,000 miles, something as critical as an airbag component failed, leaving the system disabled and me at risk for $500? See what they'll do. Maybe they'll meet you halfway. And they should. At the very least, they should meet you halfway. Uh, Because for them, it doesn't cost them anything. And I would I would fight for this. I would you know I would make the point that in the in, in this day and age of airbag problems, I don't understand why here's an additional problem. When's this going to become a recall, and why you guys can't do something to keep me happy? Where do you get the car serviced? Do you get it serviced by the dealer? Yes, you do. So so since mm-hmm. 2012, you've been their customer. Take, yeah, taking the car in for service. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, they owe you. They got to do something for you. All right, okay. just just my two cents. All right. Like I said, if you want to if you want to email me the VIN and the part number, um, you can, and I'll be glad to find out how many of these are sold in the course of a year, or how many Chrysler's selling a week. You can just use Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. But you, okay. you know, that'll 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 be the definitive answer. But uh, you know, they they owe you something. They owe you a reason to to keep coming back. All right. They, they they can't be that popular. No repair shop is so popular that they can afford to ignore their customers. They've got to do what they can to keep right. them happy. Um, I'm not telling you and suggesting to anybody that, you know, customers have the upper hand or, you know, there's times you're going to have to pay for something. But 60,000 miles, you know, if this was 80,000 miles, if this was 100,000 miles, um, this is poor workmanship. And it's probably because somebody didn't plug something in right or clip in a safety restraint or, or, or a stress relief on the wiring harness keeping the connector in place. I, from the sounds of it, it sounds like the safety catch on the connector held and it just wiggled and jiggled the, the plug itself until it finally just broke off. Because, you know, you're getting in and out of the car and you're moving the seat and uh, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, sure makes the argument for electric cars look bad, doesn't it? Can you imagine all the connectors and <laughs> yeah, plugs? Yeah, it does. Gonna, right. How many connectors and plugs are we going to have in electric cars that um, they think these things are going to hold up? Uh, you know, right. I think I think the value of 63 Dodge Darts with six cylinders and points in them are going to come back and go skyrocketing. So give it a shot, Sarah. Let me know what happens. I'm here if you need me. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. You take good care. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor, calling him like I see him, and I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Let's go over and talk to Sammy in Central PA. And we're coming in loud and clear in Central Pennsylvania today. And let's see what's going on here. Sam, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, Car Doctor, 
I have a 2003 Taurus station wagon. In the past, I noticed that when the alternator was going bad, I would uh, start checking the uh, brushes and change the brushes, especially when I was going on a road trip. Right. Uh, but now with this 2003, they've changed the system, so they don't have brushes. And I'm just wondering, is there some way I can check the alternator of, ahead of time? Well, you can go through and do a, you know what we call a load test, which will check you know voltage output. It'll check the diodes. It'll check the regulator and current output, and see if it meets spec. It doesn't guarantee what's going to happen tomorrow because. You know, what what worked today may fail tomorrow. You just don't know. So it becomes a game of mileage and, and age. Uh, you've got a 2003. It's, you know, 13 going on 14 years old. Depending upon which engine that is, if it's a 3.0 dual overhead cam, do you know which engine that is, Sam? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's a good engine. <laughs> oh, well, everybody says they have a good engine like every pilot says no, he's the best. I, I uh, is it a, is it got is it got the big wide valve covers up top? I don't remember. I, I think it says OHC. Yeah, overhead cam. Okay, so if this is the overhead cam, if this is the dual overhead cam motor. The alternator for that is in a real bad spot. It's down behind the engine, just the top of the drive axle on the passenger side, which is the other problem. All right, if it does fail on the road, it's not something you're going to change on the side of the road. Most mechanics would have a hard time replacing that in a shop. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of work to get to. So, and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to explain. You know, here's what can go wrong. So, yeah. you know, doing a doing a full system test and keeping an eye on things would be a great thing to do beforehand. Uh, you know, how many miles on the car? Uh, Two hundred and ten thousand. Is that the original alternator? I'm not sure. Are you the original owner? No, I bought it used. How how long ago? How many miles ago? Oh, I don't know, about, I don't know, 15 or 20. Right. It's probably had the alternator replaced, so now the question is, what quality is it and what brand is it? So you may want to take a, try and take a peek at it, get your mechanic to take a look at it. You know, the typical aftermarket reman rebuilt alternator, they'll go, I don't know, two and a half, three years. And I, I just generally don't see them go longer than that. It also obviously depends on how many miles you're going. But, you know, yes, alternators can fail. They do go bad. On modern cars, they can also cause problems. Bad diodes can cause vehicles to shut off as they can't control the AC signal and uh, interrupt the DC and cause computers to lose their mind and it things like that. Any... Go ahead. Ron, is there any way you can uh, maybe have a dial on the dashboard there that you could check and see? Sure. If, yeah. Whether it's going to go bad or not? A, volt, a voltmeter would work wonders in a case like this. Years ago, I forget where I saw it, but I bet if you went out on Amazon or the Internet, you'd find it. Somebody made a voltmeter that plugged into your cigarette lighter. So it was a, you know, it was just a, it had, it had the back of it had a voltmeter on it. I'm sorry, it had a cigarette lighter attachment on it, plugged into your cigarette lighter, and it read charging system voltage. It, it sort of gave you a, a voltmeter in the ashtray. I don't remember where I saw it, but I thought it was a neat idea for a car. If you wanted to watch, you know, charging system voltage, you could keep an eye on things, and if you see it changing, you know what you got. Now, that doesn't tell you if you've got a current issue. That doesn't tell you if you've got a diode problem. But at least it shows you the beginning of, of what could be bad. All right? Uh -huh. 
So, yeah. but yeah, you know, it, it definitely makes a case on older vehicles, even newer vehicles. I prefer gauges so that I can watch and see what's going on because by the time the light comes on, my problem yeah. is already there, and I've got I've got there's nothing more I can do. I'm sort of stuck by the side of the road. So take a look. I bet you those gauges are still out there if they uh, if they exist. Amazon or the internet will have it. Thank God for them. And um, you can do that before you go on the road trip and maybe give you some peace of mind. Sam, I appreciate the call. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're on eating the car doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor rolling along and uh, trying to finish things up this hour. Next week on The Car Doctor, we're going to give away a scan tool. Don't tell Tom and Tony. I have to keep it hidden from them here in the studio. Otherwise, they're going to you know, take it out and start playing with it like everything else. And um, they just like the Scan tool. And they'll probably take it and, like, when we give away the Wix car, they're going to make it on the ground go vroom, vroom. They don't understand what a scan tool is. They're not the very brightest guys in the shed. So uh, we're going to give away a launch scan tool, courtesy of the folks at Launch uh, Scan Tools. Um, out on the internet, I think it's launch uh, launchtechusa.com, I think is the website. I should probably know that. And uh, <laughs> um, well, don't tell launch; they don't really know what we're doing either. So uh, we're just keeping it a secret. We're just kind of going into the uh, surprise closet, and uh, I got to clean out the closet. I got too much stuff in there from things this year that people have sent us to try and use. So uh, we're going into our own stash to do that. But next week, here on the Car Doctor, yeah, we're going to give away a scan tool. It's time, and um, do that, and let's get that going. Uh, Tony yes, and I would like to know. When you clean out the closet, why do you give the good stuff away and give us the junk to yeah. home? Yeah. Well, because you two aren't very bright, and this way you don't really know what's good or bad. So you just think it's... So. But, but we do have the on-off button on your mic. Huh? Yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> and sometimes you can make it sound like... But anyway, let's... Uh... Oh, gosh. Let's do a quick piece of email. Hey, Ron, I've got a 2008 Toyota Highlander. This comes to us from Jacqueline in Missouri. Ron, I've got a 2008... Toyota Highlander, and it seems to be going through coolant. I've been told that I might need a head gasket because it's an older vehicle with 112,000 miles on it. I'm not ready to spend that kind of money. Do you have any sort of alternatives for me so that I can keep on the road? I am a preschool kindergarten teacher traveling from house to house here in rural Missouri, and I need my vehicle in all kinds of weather. Jacqueline, um, that's nice, huh? You know, look at that. I'm trying to shape America's minds. And um, we need people like this. So we got to keep her on the road. So to do that, you know, Jacqueline, there, there are other ways to do this instead of doing a head gasket on an older vehicle. What you can try, all right, and what we've had some very good success with in the shop is a product from a company called K-Seal. It was developed, and it's made right here in the USA. That seems appropriate. You're trying to help the country, and so are they. Um, it's developed and made right here in the USA. K-Seal cooling system repair, and they also have K-Seal head gasket repair. And it's real simple to do. It's, it, it's drained a little out of the cooling system, make some room for it, shake it up, follow the directions on the bottle, pour it in, and away you go. Um, we've used it twice now on two different vehicles, and we haven't had any problems with it. it it's no comebacks. It works. It, it does what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, there were years ago, we would always be leery of, you know, the fix in the can, the mechanic in the can kind of a thing. But uh, the folks at K-Seal seem to have, and I must say more than seem to, but they have circumvented the problem, and uh, they're making a product that works. And we've seen some good results with it. I've heard others seeing good results with it. K-Seal, you can get more information from them, uh, kseal.com, and uh, I'm sure it's available at most major auto parts stores across the country. I'm Ron Anini in the car doctor looking up saying it's time to go. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.